Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. Tracy and I are continuing our discussion about the book Jesus Feminist by Sarah Bessie. If you did not hear the first part of this conversation, please go back a couple episodes and when you're done listening to that, then catch up with us here. You can see a curated list of books that we recommend on our website at btr.org backslash books. All of those books, when you click on them, take you directly to Amazon. So it's very easy for all of you Amazon shoppers to get the books that way. It's great to go look at our curated list so that you can get an idea of the things that we recommend. Thank you to all of you who have rated the podcast. There is nothing that you could do that would better help other women who are isolated, who need help, than to share our content or to rate it on Apple Podcasts or your other podcasting apps or to comment on our website. All of those activities really help algorithms everywhere. They help our visibility online so that when women are searching for things, they can find us. Here's one five-star rating that we received on Apple Podcasts. She said, yes, this is really happening. This podcast, along with BTR Group, has been a godsend for me. My life has been shattered, but with the knowledge of those who came before me, I see the truth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So for you to be able to help women throughout the world get this really important information so that they can make decisions based on facts, based on knowing what is going on, rather than being in the fog of abuse, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or your other podcasting apps. We recently added some sessions to Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group. We created this group long before COVID online for women in this situation, victims of emotional abuse victims of psychological abuse, and victims of sexual coercion, which is what happens when your husband is using porn or engaging in other sexual compulsive behaviors that are outside of the parameters you have set for your monogamous relationship without informing you. So you cannot give consent. That is a sexual coercion issue. As far as BTR group goes, physical violence and crime criminal behavior like knowledge that someone is using child pornography or knowledge of someone having sex with underage persons, for example. Criminal behavior is outside the scope of BTR group. BTR group is specifically for emotional abuse and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. Coach Renee is really, really good with helping women who are dealing with actual crime. So physical assault, other criminal behavior, how to report that safely. So many women want to report it or they want help or they want to process whether or not they report it. And Coach Renee is the person to do that. So go to btr.org, find Coach Renee and set an appointment with her if you're dealing with criminal behavior and criminal activity to know how to navigate the local resources in your area, both the domestic violence shelter and also the local authorities. So many women need support for the emotional abuse, the gaslighting, the lying, the manipulation that clergy doesn't identify, can't see, won't hold the man accountable for. Similarly, therapists aren't getting. So for women in that scenario, when you join Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group, you get unlimited live monthly support. You can talk to women who get it. They, they get it right away. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to like justify yourself. They understand and they can actually help you rather than you trying to help them understand your situation. So go to btr.org, check out our daily support group session schedule, and we'd love to see you in a session today. Okay, now continuing my conversation with Tracy about the book Jesus Feminist by Sarah Bessie. So from your experience, what do you feel like is biblical womanhood after studying this? It's 
coming to an intimate relationship with God, with Christ, and standing in my own truth, honoring my own spiritual path. I love the example that she gives of Mary in the story of Mary and Martha. I had never read this story like this before, but first of all, Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, right, as a pupil. And she says, this is on page 19, she says, the daughters had never had that spot. Even after Martha tried to remind her of her duties and responsibilities to their guests, Jesus defended her right to learn as his disciple. He honored her choice as the better one and said, it will not be taken away from her. And what is she doing right there but defying gender roles and cultural standards? And Christ is honoring and encouraging her in that. So I never understood the story that way because in the church culture that I grew up in, it was very much, no, to be a woman, to be a good woman, you do it this way. You fit this role. You think this way, you feel this way. And to get out of that is, well, then you're not being the right kind of woman anymore. One more example is she talks about Mary, the mother of Jesus, on page 17. She is quoting Rachel Held Evans here. So, But she says, her worthiness is in her obedience not to a man, not to a culture, not even to a cause or a religion, but to the creative work of a God who lifts up the humble and fills the hungry with good things. I love it. Yeah, that's really good. So this reminds me of the discussion we had about spiritual bypass in the past weeks and new age bypass. There's this thing that sort of religion and society is asking women to do as a woman as a strong woman, you should be able to bypass painful things. Right. You should be able to have enough faith in Jesus that you can create miracles in your family. If you're a real true righteous woman, then your husband wouldn't be looking at porn because your prayers would be powerful enough and he wouldn't want to do that. There's this kind of intersection here of the bypass that we've been talking about and feminism. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Well, what that actually reminds me of benevolent patriarchy, which is what exists in my church organization, is this benevolent patriarchy. It's a, we're going to put women on a pedestal. We're going to talk them up. We're going to talk about how wonderful they are, how spiritual they are, how incredible they are, how they, they are more inclined to righteousness than men are. Like they don't have to work as hard for it. It just comes more naturally to them. But that then sets women up for these unrealistic expectations. Like we're just human. We're just human, just like the men are, right? Like we have the same feelings that they do. We have the same access to the spirit that they do. We have the same access to God that they do. But there's this interesting dichotomy because it's on the one hand, women are so much more spiritual and pure. But on the other hand, we don't actually want to hear what they have to say. We don't actually want their unique experiences because if their unique experiences contradict what we're saying their experience should be, well, then they've fallen off the pedestal. They're not valuable anymore. Well, there's the, they're more spiritual and they're better, but they can't be trusted to lead. Exactly. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. (laughs) It's very much a, as long as you're falling in line, and holding up this this system, then your voice is very valuable and we will give you a pulpit and we will let you speak and we will applaud you because it's coming from the mouth of a woman. 
and she's so spiritual. But if that same woman says, well, this is my experience and this is what God is teaching me, but it contradicts a little bit the status quo or infringes on the comfort of men, then suddenly her voice is not valuable anymore. Suddenly her access to the spirit must be impinged. Wonky. She's, she's gone off the deep end. She's a little cray cray. Which I think is really interesting because what women are fighting for, when they get labeled crazy or whatever, or they've gone too far, usually it's when they're saying something that is right in line with church doctrine. So, for example, they're complaining that they're being abused and that no one is holding the abuser accountable. That is something that is totally in line with most churches. Most churches say they do not tolerate abuse. They will not stand for abuse. Most societal people say that, right? Abuse is wrong. But then they'll be like, well, this woman is kind of making this up or she's being too loud or she's talking about it in a way that's not the right way. And so it's like, but what I'm saying is exactly in line with what you profess to believe. Well, you know, what's very interesting is that actually reminds me of stepping outside of the church for a minute, just into a secular place. You know, we had the first wave feminists with you know, the suffragettes um, getting the right to vote. Then we had the second wave feminists in the 60s and 70s. And then we had, you know, the third wave feminists a few decades later. But the second wave, who referred to themselves as the radical feminists, and that's who actually I identify with more, were really just saying, look, we want to hold men to the same standard that we've been held to all along. All we want is to say, men, you need to live up to the same standard. It wasn't, we think men are awful, we think men are terrible. Um, it was, we expect more of you. Like, we expect more of you. And when men resisted that, when society resisted that, and labeled the feminists as a problem, as too extreme, as asking too much, whatever then many of them began to do, say, fine, if you're not going to live up to the same standard to this, then we're going to, then we're going to live down to your standard, which is sad. I think it's really sad. So in other words, okay, fine. If, if men are allowed to be this promiscuous, if men are allowed to cheat, if men are allowed to have, you know, unattached sex, whatever, well, then we should be able to, too. And that is, in in one sense, a kind of, you know, I mean, they're, they're still seeking equality, but it's still not healthy for either one. I was going to say, ironically, I agree with that, meaning that women have always been able to do that, and they should have that right, just as men have, right? Women should have the right to have whatever kind of sex they want, to do whatever they want, to act however they want. That is what true equality means. Do I think they should act that way? No, right? It's unhealthy. And it's also unhealthy for men. To say that men can do it and women can't, that's not fair. Exactly. But I think a lot of women just kind of threw their hands up in the air and said, fine, if you're not going to live up to this standard that we're asking you to live up to, then we're going to find equality by doing all the same things that you can, in which society did make a little bit more room for, like women are able to do some of the things more than they used to be able to, but there's still a huge double standard. There's still a huge double standard, which you've pointed out. That and the unfortunate thing is women who choose to do that 
I feel like they get more victimized. I feel like they get more exploited. So they still aren't equal. They still just are more victimized when they go down that road. Society has learned to tolerate it to an extent, like more than it has in the past. But women are still villainized for doing that. They're still shamed. They're still shamed. Whereas men are applauded for that kind of behavior. It's encouraged or it's encouraged or accepted whereas women are very much shamed for it yeah so I want to encourage women who are listening to start getting informed about feminist issues and to start thinking about what can you do to further human rights for women not in a political sense per se but in a like the best thing you can do for women is getting yourself to safety and security on that note, I want to talk about women in the workforce for a second. So a lot of women, when they have to get divorced or they're considering like a job or something, a lot of women think, okay, well, I want to be a therapist. Or they think, well, I'll work at the library or I'll work at the school or something that sort of fits with, you know, how can I be a mom and, and do this? With the way the world is going, there are so many opportunities. And I just want to give a shout out to women who are considering like, how can you become more independent or use your talents better or whatever it is that you feel like you need to do? There are so many needs for women in politics or in policing or in law, like becoming lawyers, becoming judges. Like I really want women to open their minds to like, you can do anything and you can help the world in so many different ways. You can have a real grown up career you know, as an attorney or as a a doctor. I'm not saying you need to. I'm just saying as an architect, whatever it is, just because you're a woman doesn't mean you need to take a low wage job. I agree. I mean, we see more women in these fields than we used to, which is good. I'm happy for that. But even still, like, I mean, I'm not even 40. (laughs) And I grew up it's interesting because as a kid, I had all those kinds of ambitions. I remember wanting to be a doctor. I remember wanting to be a lawyer. I remember wanting to be a teacher. Uh, I remember wanting to be an architect, like all of these things you named. And I wanted to be a writer. But when it came down to it, as I got older, it's like I forgot about all of that because at my core, I believed that I couldn't. There was limitation there. And it was because of the way it was talked about and it was the way it was modeled for me. I was very much encouraged to go to college and to get an education, which I really appreciate. And I appreciate that I was able to do that. But still, the way it was talked about, I felt great limitation. Like I was told, yes, you need to go to college and you need to get a degree so that you can get a job in case your husband gets hit by a truck someday. That's literally what I was told. It wasn't so that... So that you can fill the measure of your creation. Exactly. It was always a backup plan. And because of that, and I had ambitions to go to business school, like I had all these ambitions, and yet I felt these limitations that made it very difficult to actually pursue any of that. And I ended up just doing what my culture told me to do, which was get married really young. I barely graduated from college before my first baby was born and didn't really get any real work experience. So although I have a degree, it's sad. I feel embarrassed even talking about it because it feels like a worthless piece of paper to me because I've never really used it. And I have no serious like career work experience. I mean, I've had, you know, little jobs here and there, but I was not set up to think 
about my life in terms of, oh, yes, I could pursue a career because that could be a fulfilling thing for me. And beyond that, so many women in our community, for sure, feel so trapped. It's just another layer to add to all of the difficulty of their situations because they don't have a way out. I mean, it's difficult to see a way out. It's not that they don't, but it's difficult to see a way out when they have been financially dependent for so many years, when they have not been able to pursue work outside the home because they've been relying on their husband. And then a time comes where they need a way out, they want a way out, and they feel so helpless. There are opportunities, and I love when women figure it out, but oh, it adds so much more difficulty. It adds so much more difficulty in getting out because they're not set up. The society did not, does not set women up to take care of themselves and their family. It sets them up to be dependent. Right. Well, and the thing is too, like, let's say now at 40, you decided you would go to law school, which would be awesome. You could do that. Right. But then you're like 15 years behind the man who went to law school at 25. So that's what makes it difficult is that there's those 15 years, but that doesn't make it impossible. And that's what I want to tell women is that you might think that you have lost your chance to do that thing that you really feel like in your heart, you always wanted to do. It could be that you wanted to be a painter, like literally painter, like paint people's houses, not like, not like an artist. It could be that you wanted to run a yard care business. You know, I don't know, whatever it is that you really enjoyed that you wanted to do, it is not too late. Will it be hard? Will you be behind your male counterparts who started when they were 25? Yeah, but it's also not too late. And I want women to know that like, if they start now with whatever it is they wanted to do if they want to go to med school and be in you know they'd finally graduate when they were 60 they could still be a doctor for 20 years from when they're 60 to 80 you know there's always options and I want women to like realize that it's not too late for you yes I see women do it I see women go through the struggle because it's a struggle but then I see them do it and so it's absolutely possible it's incredible to see also I think it's just a wonderful example for your children. Yeah. Now, that being said, so many women want to stay at home, and I honor that choice as well. I remember when I had my son, and I was thinking about going back to work because at the time, my husband didn't have a job, and I was the one that could get a job easier at that time. It was during the economic downturn in 2008. My son was nursing, and so just the thought of leaving him to go to work horrified me, right? And I did not want to do that. So I do want to honor women who are like, no, no, my place right now, I need to be with my children. This is what I need to do to honor that because those things are really important. And supporting women in their choices and what they feel like they need to do in their lives is our aim here at BTR, is just to support and validate and encourage and just be there for you. Regardless of what you choose, we care about you and love you and validate you and want you to do what's right for you, whatever that is. Yes. Just another reminder for women who are unfamiliar or a little uncomfortable with the idea of feminism, that feminism is not a niche. It's not a a small or a catch-all. They're not all cut from the same cloth. 
and there's no shame in the word. You don't have to align yourself politically with a particular brand of feminism to call yourself a feminist. There are pro-life feminists, you know, if that's an issue for some women. Yeah, just don't be afraid of the word. (laughs) I agree. As we embrace the term feminist, it can mean many different things to many different people. But the cool thing is you can define your own type of feminism. You can define the way that you would like to promote equal rights for yourself in your own life and also for women throughout the world. This podcast, more than anything, is for women's empowerment to help women come out of the fog of emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion and take their power back and be able to live lives of peace and safety. That is what women deserve. So if this podcast is helpful to you, please support it. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll down to the bottom and click on support the podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there.